0: Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your wrestling highlights of the week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. On Monday Night Raw, we will have the United States Champion Seth Rollins opening up the show as he's in the middle of the ring. Seth will mention that he is still the United States Champion after all the chaos that happened last week. He would mention him supposedly supposed to go against Bobby last week, but Bobby just utterly demolishing him. And then Austin Theory cashing in his money in the bank, but not seceding. Once he says this, the crowd would chant that he is stupid, and they're referring to the he as Austin Theory, talking about him cashing his money in the bank. Seth would say, listen, he's going to be out here later, and you guys could tell him how stupid he is when he comes out. So then Seth would proclaim that since he has held this United States Championship, he has made it the most predominant championship on Monday Night Raw because he is the one that's holding it. So as soon as he says this, out walks Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley will come out here, and his whole main goal is to let Seth know that he wants the United States Championship back, and he is going to go through anyone to get it. This will lead to Mustafa Ali coming out because Mustafa was supposed to go against Seth last week. He was going to take the challenge, but Bobby would attack him backstage and take that opportunity away from him. So Ali will come out. And Bobby would tell Ali, listen, if you get in this ring, I'm going to make that butt kicking that I gave you last week pale in comparison. So Mustafa Ali would think about it for a minute, but then he would get in the ring and Bobby would fling Ali off of him. Ali would go back at Bobby and Seth would, just like he did last week, sneak out of the ring, leading to a match between Bobby and Ali. And so they have this match. Bobby would win by referee stoppage when Bobby would apply the hurt lock on Mustafa Mustafa would not tap out. He would just end up passing out and the referee would call for the bell again. Bobby would just absolutely dominate Mustafa in this match. And even at points in the matchup, Bobby would tell the referee to make Ali quit before he has to hurt him. So Bobby was trying to show some restraint on Mustafa, but Mustafa was not trying to quit. Ali has a lot of heart, but when you have a lot of heart, you got to pick your moments and your battles to uh, go against somebody big. And Bobby's too big for Ali to take on his own, so Ali, I will say you probably need a, well, another guy to probably help you out taking out Bobby. Now, after this, we will get Mia Yim going against Tamina, and you will have Rhea Ripley and Dominic at ringside watch the match. Mia Yim would win the match by pinfall by countering the Samoan drop into eat defeat for the win. Now, as this match was happening, you will see Damage Control with Nikki Cross backstage watching this match, and the commentators were trying to pick up on who are they looking at in this match. And we will get this answer because as Mia Yim was walking backstage, Damage Control will walk up to Mia Yim and offer her a spot on their team for war games. And Mia will tell them that she doesn't have a problem with Bianca or Alexa or Asuka, but I would tell Mia not to take long on her decision and then walk away. So Mia now has a decision did she join damage control or did she decline the offer we would get her answer later in the night now after this we would get matt riddle going against chad gable with otis in his corner Chad Gable would get the win by pinfall thanks to Otis's help. When Riddle was looking to hit the RKO on Chad Gable, Gable would reverse the move into a backslide pin. And as the referee was counting, Gable would put his feet on the bottom ropes and Otis would hold Gable's feet there. And that would add extra leverage for Gable to get the win. So now both Alpha Academy members, Chad Gable and Otis, have a win over Riddle and Elias as this rivalry thing is still going on between all four of these men. Now, after this, we get Ms. TV. Ms comes out here in his best Mr. Rogers impersonation gear. He's now out here in his suit, and this is to present Miz as an innocent-looking man instead of this big-time elitist that he usually looks whenever he's wearing a suit. But the thing is, he's not wearing a red, like, comforter sweater jacket like Mr. Rogers would. He's wearing, like, a uh, tanned-out sweater, but I digress. He will have a written statement uh, prepared for him because Miz is out here to explain his side of Johnny Gargano exposing him last week. And in the statement, he says that he admits to paying Dexter, but it was because he never got his just due. He just wanted fans to love him and accept him. He would mention that he never took a day off in his 18 years of professional wrestling. Even when he was injured, he still found a way to be in the ring. Miz just wanted to be cheered. Johnny Gargano will come out and poke fun at the Miz for continuing to lie to these people. Johnny will say that nobody believes the Miz because he is a compulsive liar. Johnny will say that the Miz needs to pay what he owes to Dexter Loomis. Miz will say that he is sorry, and he will say he's sorry to Johnny. He said that he's sorry to Dexter. He's sorry to the fans, and he just wants everybody to forget about this. Johnny will say everybody will when you pay up Dexter. But, that video that I did play last week, it did get to the WWE officials, and I talked to them, and we both came up with a brilliant idea. At virus Series, you will go against Dexter Loomis, and if Dexter wins, you will pay him what you owe him. Also, when Dexter beats you, he will finally get a WWE contract. Miz would accept the challenge, and says that when he beats Dexter, it will be awesome. Johnny would tell Miz to turn around so he could say that to Dexter's face. And Dexter will be standing there, but Dexter's disguised as a cameraman. So you see Dexter take off the hat, take off the mask from his face, expose himself, and Miz would roll out of the ring and run up the ramp. So now we know that Dexter Lumis will be going against the Miz at Survivor Series. And hopefully this whole, like, stupid storyline thing will end. Because personally, I get it. We're trying to figure out a way to get Dexter onto the main roster here. And we weren't trying to go the usual route. Okay, he got called up or he just returns, we're trying to use him as a stalker, I get it, but I think this is run this course, so I'm happy that they're putting it into this at Survivor Series. Also, what I forgot to mention earlier was that, also at Survivor Series, it was announced that AJ Styles will be going against Finn Balor, because AJ threw out a challenge to Finn earlier in the night, and it would just be made official. So, at Survivor Series, we get Finn Balor going against AJ Styles as well. Now, Dominic Mysterio would go against Shelton Benjamin. Dominic would have Damian Priest and Brie Ripley in his corner. Dominic would win the match by pinfall thanks to Priest distracting Shelton Benjamin. When Shelton will be talking to Priest because Priest is just jaw jacking, and Dominic would grab Shelton, throw his shoulder into the ring post, then finish off Shelton with a frog splash for the win. So Dominic would win, and now he has another victory over a WWE legend. First victory was over AJ Styles. Now this one's over Sheldon Benjamin. So that's two now. Now after this, it's time for everybody's favorite moment. It's time for the explanation of why Austin Theory cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase on Seth Rollins.
1: Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that briefcase. Let's talk about that Money in the Bank contract. It was an anchor on Austin Theory. Look at Roman Reigns. Nobody's been able to touch him in the past two years. No one. And has he looked vulnerable? Well, whenever he does, which is rarely, the bloodline's there. Look at my cash ins. I tried at SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar was there. Clash at the Castle, Tyson Fury was there. And if they weren't there, the bloodline certainly would have been. Roman Reigns is unstoppable, and that scenario of me cashing in, it doesn't exist. So what did I do? What did I put in my brain and decide to do? I thought, what is the best thing to do after this? And that is going after one of the greatest champions of this past decade, Seth Rollins. And where was he? On his back, in the middle of that ring I hadn't beat. A-Town down and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley pulled me out of that ring and mauled me like a madman. But if it wasn't for him, I would be a two-time United States champion right now.
0: So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Austin Theory's explanation for why he cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase, the most prestigious opportunity that any wrestler on the WWE roster would like to have, and he challenged it in cashing in on the United States champion instead of the world heavyweight champion. Again, now I understand his theory, <laughs> pun intended. I get why he did it, but here's the deal. Last week on Monday Night Raw, whenever Theory had his match for Shelton Benjamin, and I thought this was a throwaway line at the time. On commentary, Corey Graves was making the note to everybody that Austin Theory has only held on to that briefcase, not even half of its allotted time slot that you're supposed to have it for. You're supposed to hold on to that briefcase up to a whole entire year. Now, he hasn't even hit half of his year that he asked for that briefcase to cash it in. Corey Gray said that last week. And now you mean to tell me that you couldn't have waited some other time for whenever Roman is really down and out, where there's no bloodline members, no nothing like a mania, or something else? You mean to tell me that creative couldn't have figured that out some way for Theory to cash in and win the world championship? Or if not, have Theory lose the championship or, might I add, the Money in the Bank contract over to another wrestler? That was always another thing that they could have did. No, they had him cashing in on the secondary title. That is still the dumbest thing in my whole idea, just thinking and whenever you have the Money in the Bank contract that's like winning the royal rumble and like saying you know what i don't want to challenge roman at wrestlemania no i'll challenge for the Intercontinental title against gunther or the united states title against seth rollins at wrestlemania that is the dumbest thing every wrestling fan will really slap their head every wrestler every body in the wrestling industry will be slapping their forehead and saying what are they thinking and with that money in the bank contract that is literally your royal rumble winner and you can cash it in at any time you want. Anytime. At any event. That was a slap on the head. I think that was a creative failure by WWE. And that's going to go down as literally one of the greatest creative failures. Anywho, Theory would get interrupted by Dolph Ziggler. And Dolph Ziggler would say that Theory's a kid. And he tried to talk to him uh, about cashing in the money in the bank. But Theory was too like hard headed and he didn't want to listen to him. Theory takes exception to that. So he would challenge. Uh, Dolphin to a match later in the night and we will get it but before we get to the Dolphin Theory matchup we will have Eo Sky with Damage Control and Nikki Cross in her corner going against Dana Brooke. EO would win the match by pinfall by hitting the over the moonsault for the win. Now after the match Miriam would come out on the stage and announce that she has picked her side and she's signing with Bianca Belair's team. Now, later in the night, you'll see Rhea Ripley walk up on Damage Control and Nikki in the back and saying that she's going to join them on War Games. So, Damage Control now has all five of her members: it's Damage Control, it's Nikki Cross, and it's Rhea Ripley going against Bianca Belair's team, who's still missing one more. Competitor, hopefully, we'll find out who that competitor is next week on Monday Night Raw because it's going to be one member of Damage Control's team going against one member of Bianca Belair's team on Monday Night Raw. And the winner of that match will get the advantage going into their War Games match at Survivor Series. Now, on to Theory versus Dolph Ziggler. The match would get called off after Theory would just beat up on Dolph after hitting him with two A town downs, and Theory would then Throw Dolph out of the ring. Well, no. He would actually get angry start pounding on Dolph. Dolph would roll out of the ring to catch his breath. But Theory would leave the ring and continue to pound on Dolph some more. Then he would grab Dolph's head, bounce it off the commentary table. Referee would then have to call for the bell. Theory would then throw Dolph into the timekeeper's area. Throw multiple chairs at Dolph. You have officials and referees come down and get Theory away from Dolph. And this is just Theory snapping because Theory is really like reeling after failing to cash in that money in the bank briefcase last week. And the whole people calling him a kid, inexperienced thing. That's what is basically setting Theory off at the moment. So now we're starting to see a unraveling Theory here. And this will continue on later into the main event, but I'll get to that in a minute. After this, you will have Baron Corbin going against Akira Tozawa. Baron Corbin would win the match by pinfall by catching Akira jumping off the top turnbuckle and hitting him with the end of days for the win. There you go. Now off to the main event for the United States Championship matchup. Seth Rollins going against Finn Balor. Seth would win the match by pinfall thanks to the club Basically taking out Judgment Day. When well, the Judgment Day would come down to the ring and interfere in the match by getting on the ring apron, distracting Seth, the club with medium will come down to the ring to deal with Judgment Day. AJ would knock Finn Balor off the top turnbuckle, and this would allow Seth to hit Finn with the curb stomp and then cover him for the win. Now, after the match, as Seth was celebrating in the ring, Austin Theory would attack Seth from behind. Theory would throw Seth out of the ring and give him the Dolph treatment by bouncing his head. Off of the commentary table. Then throw him back in the ring. Hit him with the A-Town down. And then he will grab the United States Championship. Look at the championship. Wait for Seth to get up. And then run and hit Seth in the face with the United States Championship. So Raw will end with Austin Theory still holding the United States Championship. And looking at Seth's body. So as it seems to me right now. Austin Theory has Seth in his head for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley has Seth for the United States Championship. Mustafa Ali still wants the United States Championship. He still has a beef with Seth, but his bigger target right now is Bobby Lashley. What I can see basically happening at Survivor Series is basically a Fatal Four Way match for the United States Championship. Bobby, Theory, Mustafa, and Seth Rollins. That does not get announced on Monday Night Raw, so we have to wait and see what will happen next week on Monday night, because we still have one more week to build up for Survivor Series. So hopefully, we'll see. But again... That is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to NXT. Here's one important big highlight to uh, note here. Shawn Michaels would announce that on December 10th on NXT special deadline, there will be two matches, one for the men, one for the women, and they're called the Iron Survivor Match. And it goes like this. In total, the whole match lasts for 25 minutes, but it first starts off with two people in the middle of the ring. And every five minutes, another participant will come into the ring until the ring has five competitors in it. So by that math, you will start off with two people, five minutes. Somebody will come out, so you have five minutes. At the mark of five minutes, three people. Two more people comes in, you're at 15 minutes. And so they have 10 minutes as a collective of five individuals already in the ring to battle out and wrestle in the ring. And by the end of the 25 minutes, the person with the most wins, as in pinfall, submission, or disqualifications, you will become the next, well, number one contender for the NXT champion or for the women, the NXT Women's Champion. Now, here's the thing that goes along in this match, and this is where we're going to get into some funny business here. If you happen to get pinned in this Iron Survivor matchup and you have a victory already, Your victory will no longer count, and that victory will be deducted from you, and you will have to go into a box, as they call the penalty box, and you have to stand in that box for a whole 90 seconds. So that's a minute and 30 seconds that will be taken away from you that you will then have to wait in the box. And then after those 90 seconds are done, you get back into the ring and participate back into the match. I think this whole match is going to be a one time deal It's already so convoluted with so many details that go into the match that as a fan, you're going to have to really watch the first match to see how it really goes to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Because if it runs smoothly, then guess what? The match is going to be sticking around and we're going to see it go down like later in the future of NXT or even be brought into the WWE on the main roster like slot. But if it doesn't, this is literally going to be a one-time deal, a trial and error, and that's what NXT is all about, trial and error. So I'm not disappointed in this situation happening with them trying this out. But I'm going to be really hard-pressed to see the five like competitors for both the men's side and the women's side who's going to be competing in these matches. It doesn't get announced this week. Sean does say in the following weeks, they will be announcing who the competitors are going to be. So I just can't wait to see who are the competitors going to be in these Iron Survivor matches. So I can't wait to see how the concept is going to be like pointed out and proven on like in front of everybody's face. But on paper, it just seems so convoluted. But only time will tell now on to the show first match of the night for NXT will be the NXT Championship matchup between Braun Breaker going against Von Wagner, who has Mr. Stone in his corner. Braun would win the match and retain his championship by pinfall by hitting Von Wagner with a spear and then covering him for the win. It was a solid match by both men. At one point, people thought that Von Wagner had the match won when he would hit the Death Valley Driver on Braun Breaker, then cover him for the win. Well, for the pinfall, but Braun would kick out. And you will see Vaughn just start to get into referee's face and trying to, like, say that was a three. What are you doing? And behind Vaughn's back, you will see Braun Breaker get up and start taking the strap down. Mr. Stone will try to tell Vaughn, Ayo, Braun's getting up. And Wagner wasn't trying to hear it, He just, like, pushed Robert Stone off the apron. And that will lead into, well, eventually the spear in Vaughn's demise. So, Braun Breaker is still your NAC champion. Now... When Braun would get to the back, he would be met by JD McDonough. And JD would let Braun know that he isn't truly done with JD. And JD isn't done with Braun. So JD's eyes is still on the NXT Championship. Now, after this, we will have Zoe Stark coming out to the ring to explain why she turned on the Keeta Lions last week. Zoe would recall back to when she returned from injury in July. And she came in and won the Battle Royal to become the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. And then she get called into a meeting with WWE officials, and she was informed that she and Nikita were handpicked to be a part of the WWE Women's Tag Team uh, Championship tournament. Out of all the women in NXT, those two were put together and chosen for this tournament. Zoe knew she had to carry the weight of the team because she was the more experienced one and she was okay with that. And she just wanted Nikita to pull her apart. Zoe would mention that when she got injured after wrestling against Mandy Rose at Heatwave and she was in the trainer's room, Nikita would look at her and say, It's okay. And she's not mad at her because they got pulled out of the tournament because Zoe got injured. That stuck with Zoe for so long because. Zoe, again, in her mind, she felt that she was the one holding up the team. And then Nikita didn't pull her weight. Who is Nikita to say that she isn't angry at Zoe for getting injured? Zoe would say that when she knew last week when she held on to the NXT Women's Tag Team titles, she knew what she had to do, and that's why she attacked Nikita. Zoe would say that she took care of the dead weight now. Now she's not angry. Zoe would say that she has helped out talent in the back. And the new recruits that come into NXT. But now all that ends. Because now NXT is all about Zoe Stark. So that's our explanation from Zoe Stark. i cool with that explanation. It makes sense in a way for a villain to make sense. Out of why they're doing what they're doing to the hero. But again we just got to f- see how this all like transpires out. Is Nikita going to get the win over Zoe? I think she is. Or is Zoe going to beat up Nikita to the point that. Uh, Zoe's gonna get another shot at the NXT Women's Championship. Who knows? We just gotta find out and see what happens. But Zoe starts being a villain, I'm here for it. Let's see what we got. Now, after this, we will have Indashir, which is Sangha and Veer, going against two local guys, and the local guys just get absolutely decimated by Veer and Sangha here. I mean, Indashir would win the match in just pure dominating, showcasing fashion. After the match, Indushear would let the Kree brothers know that they respect them and that the people here in NXT respect the Kree brothers. But nobody respects Indushear. Nobody respects Sangha or Veer. But in a place like India, they are treated as celebrities. So for people to respect Indushear, they're going to have to beat the hell out of the Kreeks. So that's why Ndeshir attacked the Creeds, and they're going to continue to attack the Creeds until people give them respect. So that's the reason why Ndeshir attacked the Creeds, and they letting everybody know why. Now, after this, we will have J.D. McDonough going against Apollo Crews. Apollo would win the match by pinfall by catching McDonough as he was running towards Apollo, and Apollo would hit him with a one-handed spinebuster for the win. And this was a good match between J.D. and Apollo. I mean, it started off slow, but towards the end of the match, it started picking up real nicely and fast-paced, and I enjoyed it. Now, after the match, Braun Breaker will come out and point at Apollo, and it seems to me Braun Breaker's letting Apollo know that, hey, you're my next challenger for the NXT Championship, and I'm cool with this because Apollo made it known that he came back to NXT for the NXT Championship. Braun Breaker has it, so there you go. Now, after this, we will get the North American Championship, Championship a contract signing between Carmelo Hayes, who has Trick Williams with him, and Wesley for their match next week for the North American Championship. Booker T will be the moderator for the contract signing, and as usual for a contract signing, both men will talk trash to each other before they eventually sign the contract, which both of them do. Trick would be Melo's hype man, as he usually was, and it would get to a point to Wes that Wes would tell Trick to shut up and... I'm not going to hold you, Melo will hit one of the coldest lines I've ever heard out of a wrestler's mouth.
1: It feels real good to have this moment right now. Don't nobody care about how you feel? How you feel when you smashed your head into the locker last That's time? trick! Shut up! This is between me and your meal ticket now! Hey Wes, you know what? Hey, I'm at that point where I will first 48 you in front of all these witnesses and nobody's
0: going to do a damn thing. Did you guys just hear what I heard? You just heard Carmelo up just tell this man, I'm going to first 48 you in front of these group of witnesses and nobody's going to say nothing. Now, let me mind you again. We're still in the exact same year. We haven't left it yet. We're still in the exact same year where Carmelo said at the beginning of the year that he was going to put people on Gildan t-shirts. And again, for people that don't know what that means, I want you to look up what that means. When somebody says, I'm going to put you on a gilded" or I'm going to put you on a t-shirt, it's basically almost the exact same thing as First 48 you. Carmelo has basically been threatening people all NXT live on television, and they just been letting that thing just fly. So again, with Stokely saying his soundbite last week, I know somebody's going to continue with this one, and somebody's going to steal that, and that's going to be a part of wrestling culture, wrestling Twitter for some time. So, Carmelo, I thank you for that. Now, Booker T would interrupt both of these gentlemen and let them know, hey, you guys aren't going to do nothing here. You're going to say that for next week, and y'all are going to have the best match possible next week for the North American Championship. So that's what will happen. Both men did not touch. They just constantly jaw jacked with each other, and that was the end of that segment. Now, going on to the next thing, we had a tag team matchup of Briggs and Jensen with Fallon Henley in their corner, going against the Dyad, who had Joe Gacy and Ava Rain in their corner. The Dyad would get the win by pinfall, thanks to a distraction from Kiana James. Kiana would come down to the ringside and grab Fallon by the shoulder to talk to her. Kiana would try to strike Fallon, but Fallon would duck it and then strike Kiana in the face. Jensen will come down to catch Keanu before she hit the floor. Now you have Briggs in the ring watching all this unfolds, but when he turns back around to look at the Dyad, he will eat a double code breaker, and the Dyad will get the win from this distraction. So the Dyad are in a right trajectory upwards as they now move away from Cameron Grimes, and they're on to other things. Hopefully, they're going after the NXT Tag Team title soon because the Grizzly Young Veterans, the Dyad, whatever you want to call them, They need to be tag team champions soon. Now, after this, we have Tatum Paxley with Ivy Nile in her corner going against Indy Hartwell. Indy would win the match by pinfall by taking Tatum's protective mask off of her face and then kicking Tatum behind her knee. Indy would then throw the mask over to Ivy and then finish off Tatum with a forearm behind the head for the win. So we're seeing a more, again, ruthless side of Indy Hartwell here. Indy is no longer that good goody two-shoes type character who's just going to let things just fly by her anymore. No, she's going to take action against people. So this is her just taking action to try to get whatever she wants out of the NXT. So Indy's on that type of trajectory now. Now, sign for the main event for the NXT Women's Championship in a last woman standing. Alba Fire going against the champion Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose will retain her championship thanks to Isla Dawn when Alba had Mandy dead to rights on the commentary table. Mandy's on the commentary table, laid out. Alba would then set up a ladder and start climbing it. And as she would reach the second rung, top rung of the ladder, she felt a presence. And then she turned around on the ladder and it was Isla Dawn, who is a NXT UK wrestler who's now been moved over to the NXT American roster. Now she would then spray mist into Alba's face and then, Pie face Alba off the ladder and Alba will crash through the commentary table. Now, Mandy will already have rolled off the table when Alba will crash through the table. So, as the referee was making the count, Mandy would get to her feet by grabbing the ring ropes to stand on her feet, beating the 10 count. Alba Fire did not. So, that's the reason why Mandy Rose is still your NXT Women's Champion. Now, I'm not going to hold you. I thought somewhere, somehow, toxic attractions, Gigi Dolan, or JC Jane would have came out there to help out Mandy some way. But no, they were out. They got took out by Alba Fire. They were still continuing on with that. And they actually allowed Mandy to try to take on Alba by herself. And Mandy put up a nice, valiant effort. You saw her try and try, but just couldn't put Alba down. And in the end, it was another new person coming into the NXT Roster over here to take down Alba and basically help Mandy retain her championship. Again, Mandy has been a solid NXT Women's Champion. I don't think nobody expected her to hold on to the title for as long as she's been doing it for a year and some odd weeks now. Nobody expected it. I didn't. So, again, Mandy has been a solid NXT Women's Champion. And it all comes down to who are they going to have her lose the championship to? Me, if I'm hedging my bets, I say either nikita Lyons or mm, i say roxanne perez because again unless we turn mandy into a good girl or turn her turn baby face i don't know who else besides those two other women are going to take the title off her. i don't know who but that is your nxt wrestling highlights of the week now we're off to AEW Dynamite. Dynamite will open up with a tag team matchup of Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli going against the world champion for Ring of Honor, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Claudio Castagnoli would win the match for his team by making Chris Jericho tap out when Claudio will have Chris Jericho in the Giants swing while Chris Jericho was holding his baseball bat. Now when Claudio stopped swinging Jericho around, Jericho would try to hit Claudio with the bat but Claudio would just grab the bat away from Jericho and apply the sharpshooter on Chris Jericho and Jericho would tap out. So this gives Claudio Castagnoli some momentum going into his fatal four-way matchup with both Danielson, Jericho, and Guevara for the ROH Championship at full gear. Again, this uh, this tag match was alright. I mean, you had a nice little giant swing spot that everybody loves from Claudio. I just think that uh they should have did a one-on-one matchup with Claudio going against Sammy or Claudio going against Jericho and then you have Brian being in the corner of Claudio or something like that. I would have loved for that because then you would have gotten some contrast from if it was Claudio going against Sammy, you would have gotten the Jericho being on the outside of the ring with Brian and those two getting into something because Brian doesn't like Jericho because he's the Ring of Honor World champion. And also, you got a one-on-one matchup that hasn't happened before, at least to my knowledge, of Claudio going against Sammy. So that would have at least made some uh, good television. But this is just one guy's perspective. Um, after this, we would have Anthony Bowens going against Swerve Strickland. Swerve would win the match by pinfall when you would hit the JML driver on Anthony Bowens. Swerve and Bowens had a nice match back and forth. Swerve is a one-on-one competitor. He's not known for being a tag team wrestler, except for now the team of him and uh, Keith Lee here. But... In the grand scheme of things, Swerve is a singles competitor. Anthony Bowens has really morphed into a tag team guy, so him being in singles competition on mainstream television isn't known that much. Um, but he was actually able to hang with Swerve Strickland in the ma- in the ring, and uh, he took everything Swerve can give him, and just with Swerve basically damaging Anthony's arm that will basically put Anthony down, but Anthony took a house party kick to the head. He took the swerve stomp. I mean he just took abuse from swerve here, but the JML driver will basically end it. So Swerve gives Swerve in our glory some momentum going into their tag match against the Acclaim at full gear. Now after this we will have Samoa Joe coming down to the ring and explaining why he attacked Warlow last week. To boil it all down for you, Warlo basically disrespected Samoa Joe. Because Joe would say that week after week Warlow would run his mouth, and he would forget that the most dangerous man in the room was in the ring with him, and he's implying himself, and when Warlow said that he was going after every single championship in the company, Joe took that as a threat, so Joe just basically struck first, so that's the reason why he attacked Warlow. Powerhouse Hobbs will come out and tell Joe that he's late to the party because he's been beating up on Warlow for the past few weeks, but he's gladly Willing to beat up Joe right now. So Joe would invite Powerhouse Hobbs to the ring to get this work. But Warlow's music would hit and Hobbs would stop and look for Warlow to come down the ramp. But Warlow would sneak through the crowd into the ring behind Samoa Joe. And you would start seeing all three men get into a brawl in the middle of the ring. Now, members of the roster would come down to the ring also with security to separate all three men in the ring. You will be able to see Powerhouse Hobbs and Samoa Joe get out of the ring with members of the roster. While security has Warlow like, pinned up in the corner, Warlow will beat up on the security. And then he will just hit a Top Gun hilo onto the outside, onto the big pile of men. That's guarding Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs, which takes them out. And the last remaining party standing is Warlow to end for this segment. And it will be made official later in the night that at full gear for the TNT Championship, it will be Warlow going to get Samoa Joe going against Powerhouse Hobbs. Now, after this, we will have the trio championship matchup of Death Triangle defending their titles against Top Flight and AR Fox. This is Darius Carter's return match to AEW since he got into a car accident earlier this year. And this is AR Fox's like debut on AEW Dynamite, so that's cool for AR Fox here. Um, Death Triangle would win the match and retain their championships when the Lucha Brothers would hit Fear Factor on AR Fox. Then tag in Pac, and he will hit the black arrow on Fox for the win. Now, after the match, Pac will get a mic and talk about hearing the rumors that have been luring around. And he knows what everybody's talking about. And he knows about the ominous videos that's been playing on the screen from week to week. And Pac will just point blank say, if any men think that they can come up and beat us for these championships, just show up at Full Gear and we'll be waiting. So, once Pac is done talking, a video will show on the screen and it will show a graphic of Death Triangle defending their championships, the Trios championships, at full gear. And then right beside them was an empty space for originally where the opponent is supposed to be. And then you will see like Thanos, like dust, like show up and it's the Elite pop up right up on the screen. So, it was made official that the Elite will be challenging Death Triangle at full gear for the Trios championship. And I'm cool with that because everybody knew it was coming. For these past couple weeks, they've been showing videos of... First, it was the Elite, basically, Thanos snapping out of AEW. All their big moments uh being snapped away. And now, they're starting to be reimmersed back into AEW as a whole. So, you get to see them now at full gear. Going after the championships that they never truly lost. They just got stripped of because, well an incident at All Out. Now, after this, we will have the semifinals for the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament between Ethan Page and Bandito. Ethan Page would win the match by pinfall by hitting the eagle's edge on Bandito for the win. Solid back and forth between Ethan Page and Bandito, but you can kind of tell where this story is going because Ethan Page is trying to basically be the guy to take the World Championship off of either Mox or MJF. He doesn't matter who it is but he wants to take the world title off of them at winter is coming because the winner of the tournament will be the number one contender and it will be getting a world championship matchup at aew's event on winter is coming so that's what ethan page's whole thing is for this so ethan now moves into the finals of the tournament while he'll be waiting to face whoever at full gear at the end of the tournament after this matchup we will have tony storm going against anna J. tony storm would win the match by submission when tony will lock in the texas cloverleaf on Anna J and Anna would tap out for the win. After the match, Jamie Hayter will come to the ring and get in the ring with Tony Storm, and they would just lock eyes because, again, this is building up for their match at Full Gear for the AEW Interim Women's Championship. Now we come to the main event segment of the night where we have Jon Moxley coming out to the ring with Regal, and he's talking about MJF. I just want to say this right now. Uh, this segment wasn't great. The only thing that we got here was basically Moxley uh, mentioning that he did research on MJF, Finding out that he's a good singer and other irrelevant things, nothing of importance. Uh, Mox would say MGF has people believing in this image that he's crafted for himself, but MGF really isn't that guy. He's just a boy who's playing wrestler, while Mox is the real deal. He's the best wrestler in the world. Mox will say that at full gear, he wants to a real version of MGF to show up. And then as he says this, Stokely Hathaway will start walking down to the ring, and then the firm comes down. The Firm beats up on Mox, Regal will try to interfere and help out Mox, but Regal will get beat up on too, and this will lead to MGF coming out, and MJF will save the day, he'll beat up on The Firm, and he would basically get The Firm out of the ring, he would grab a microphone, tell Mox he didn't save Mox because he likes him, he just saved Mox because he doesn't want to hear from Moxley's fanboys about beating Moxley at Full Gear, and Mox wasn't all the way healthy. MJF would say that he needs that championship more than he needs food, water, or air. And then Mox would get in MJF's face and tell him that he better bring the fight to him because if he doesn't, Mox would reach into MJF and bring it out of him. Now, the only interesting note out of this whole entire segment was when MJ was talking to Mox and he talks about how he's going to beat him at full gear, he goes and says this one interesting line here. He says, I won't even need a ring to beat you, Mox. And he looks at Regal and says, isn't that right? And as Regal is just standing there and he's mean mugging and scowling Max, he has the brass knuckles in his hands. And if people don't remember this, I'll give you a quick little history on this right now. Last year at Full Gear, MJF had a match with Darby Allen. And Darby Allen and MJF's whole buildup was that MJF was upset that he could not break Darby's psyche. He could not get under the skin of Darby Allen. And he called Darby Allen a trash wrestler. He wasn't a real wrestler. He wasn't a professional wrestler. And MJF says, I can beat you with a headlock takeover. And at the end of their match at full gear, he hits Darby Allen with the dynamite diamond ring and he beats Darby technically with a headlock takeover. That was a legit final move that he did on Darby Allen to win his match with Darby at full gear. So MJF did not tell a lie. MJF, I feel here, is not telling a lie. He's not going to use the dynamite diamond ring here. I think he's going to take regal's brass knuckles or have a variation of brass knuckles of his own made for him and i think he's gonna pop moxley in the face at full gear and do what he has to do to win the aew world championship at least in my personal opinion but again i'll give you more details into my theory about that whenever i give you my predictions at the end of the show but that's just my thing on that and also Here's another thing I didn't like about the buildup for this uh, championship matchup right here between Moxley and MJF. I didn't like the firm whole uh, thing being involved in this. I didn't like that the firm got separated from MJF so quickly. Like, literally, two weeks after MJF makes his return to AEW and they're on AEW Dynamite television, the firm tells their whole reason why they're here, why they come together as a group, what they want to accomplish... And the whole main objective was is that they are Max's uh, security. They are his detail. They are paid to watch out for Max. Whenever Max requires their services, they're there for him. And now you mean to tell me, as he's about to go into the biggest championship matchup or the biggest matchup of his whole entire career, you mean to tell me he doesn't want his security somewhere lurking behind him because he wants to earn the respect of Regal? all right, cool, whatever. I don't believe in that. I think this is just a ruse and all that. I think this is just a big thing. I don't like how they went about it, but we'll have to see how all this plays out at full gear. But again, I'll give you more of my predictions whenever I talk about the AEW uh, full gear predictions at the end of the show. But anyway, that was your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, going into Impact Wrestling. first match of the night will be for the semifinals of the X-Division Championship Tournament with Black Taurus with Crazy Steve in his corner going against PJ Black. Black Taurus would win the match by pinfall when he would hit Destination Hellhole, which is the awful waffle, or aka an inverted uh, pile driver on PJ Black for the win. And Black Taurus would advance to the finals of the tournament where he would be facing Trey Miguel at Overdrive for the X Division Championship. Now, after this, we will have a Fatal 4-Way Tag Team matchup of Motor City Machine Guns going against Bullet Club's Chris Bay and Ace Austin, going against Raj Singh and Shira, going against Ozzy Open. Chris Bay and Ace Austin would win the match by pinfall, when Chris Bay would hit Kyle Fletcher of Ozzy Open with the Art of Finesse, which is a springboard cutter, or RKO and other people's uh, repertoire, if they know it better as that. Then Ace Austin would hit the fold on Kyle Fletcher for the win. Ace Austin and Chris Bay as a tag team have grown on me. I'm used to Chris Bay just being, well, with the Bullet Club and him doing his own thing. Ace Austin being a part of Bullet Club is still not my forte. It's growing on me, but I just see Ace Austin as an individual that I thought Impact had a lot of momentum being built into him, especially last year where they were basically trying to hype him up as the next guy to take the uh, Impact World Championship. Whenever he went against uh, Christian, and you saw how much hype they were putting behind him, and they didn't do it, so now they just like slowed down off of them, and they have their eggs on the uh, Josh Alexander basket. But again, they can always go back to either putting the eggs back in the basket of Ace Austin or putting in Chris Bay's basket because these are two uh, young, talented wrestlers that are good on Impact Wrestling, and that I think the rest of the world need to look. At them because these are guys that either could show up on WWE and go in NXT and actually run shop and actually have good matches with guys like Carmelo Hayes or uh, Braun Breaker or all the other guys down there in NXT or even go to AEW and be one of the rising uh, upstart guys that could show off over there in AEW. That's only if the time is right. But Chris Bay isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He did uh, resign with Impact, so I know he's there for some time now but Ace Austin, I don't know. He might be one of the next guys that might jump if the price is right for him. After this, we have Tasha Stills with Savannah Evans going against Taya Valkyrie, who had Rosemary in her corner. Taya would win the match by pinfall when she would go for the road to Valhalla, or aka jaded on Tasha, but Tasha would uh, reverse out of it and try to roll Taya up for the win, but Taya would just sit on Tasha and reverse it for the win. Now, after the match, as Taya Valkyrie will get her hand raised, Tasha Steeles would attack Taya from behind. Rosemary will get in the ring and grab Tasha by the neck. Then Savannah Evans will get in the ring and grab Rosemary and start attacking her. Now you have Tasha Steels and Savannah Evans beating up on both Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary until Jessica will come down to the ring and make the save and eliminate both Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans. So, again, this is building up for their tag team title matchup at Overdrive, where the death dolls of Jessica and Ty Valkyrie will be defending their championships against Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans. Now, after this, we will have an old-school rules match between Steve Macklin and Tommy Dreamer. It's basically known as a no-disqualification. Impact just likes to throw names onto matches that don't need to be thrown onto, but it is what it is. Uh, Macklin would win the match by pinfall by hitting uh, Tommy Dreamer with a double underhook DDT on a pile of chairs This in the middle of the ring for the win now after the match Steve Macklin had Tommy Dreamer's face like head up like towards the ceiling as his head's on a chair and Steve Macklin was going to hit Tommy with a concerto but Bully Ray to come to the ring to make the save for his best friend Tommy but as he does this Moose isn't far behind and he attacks Bully as Bully's in the ring Now, as this is going down, Steve Macklin will clear the ring out. He'll get a table. He'll set it up in the ring. And you see Macklin and Moose, they're about to put Bully through the table. But Josh Alexander will go into the ring and double clothesline both Moose and Macklin. Josh will then start German suplexing Moose and Macklin in the ring. Just just back and forth, just suplex after suplex. And as this is happening, you see Bully Ray get up. He holds the Impact World Championship in his hand and he's, he's watching this in the corner of the ring. Josh would get done suplexing both men. Bully would slowly walk up on Josh and just try to give Josh the world championship, and Josh and Bully would just be staring at one another as Josh just sees Bully holding his Impact World Championship. Bully would then nod his head to Josh in the direction of Steve Macklin, and this was signaled for Josh and Bully to team together to slam Steve Macklin through the table in the middle of the ring. Now, after this, Josh Alexander will hold up uh, Bully Ray's trophy that he could cash in at any time for a shot at the Impact World Championship. The Call Your Shot Gauntlet Trophy, there it is, I just remember the name. As Bully Ray's holding up uh, Josh Alexander's Impact World Championship, they stare at one another, they try to do a trade-off for each other's possessions. Josh would hand over the trophy to Bully. Bully will hold on to the Impact World title. So now Bully has both of the objects. Josh just stares at Bully, Bully stares at Josh. Then Bully will finally hand Josh's Impact World Championship. And again, this is all, again, to build up the whole thing of not trusting Bully. Everybody for weeks have been telling Josh Alexander not to trust Bully Ray. He's not to be trusted for all his past deeds in Impact Wrestling, for him to be a bad guy all throughout his whole entire career. Bully's trying to make the change, go about the right way. But again... Demons are constantly coming to try to bite Bully in the back from people talking about him to Josh. So again, this is all building up. Does Josh Alexander trust Bully? And is Bully really trying to actually be a better man the way that he says he is? So again, we will have to see in the upcoming weeks of Impact. Now, after this, we have Laredo Kid going against Rich Swan. Rich would win the match by pinfall by hitting a 450 splash for the second turnbuckle for the win. Solid matchup. It was a nice, like, six, seven-minute match between these two guys. So it was cool. Now, after this, we get into the main event of the night. It is the Death Machines Double Jeopardy match. The rules are as follows. This is a no disqualification, no count-out matchup. And the only way to win this match is by making your opponent bleed. And then, and only then, when you do that, you are allowed to pin or submit your opponent to win the matchup. Now, their competitors in this match was Eric Young going against Sammy Callahan. Both men would bleed from their foreheads and they were bloody towards the end of this matchup. But Sammy Callahan will be the winner of this matchup when he would hit the Cactus Driver 98, which is a quick pile driver on Eric Young and get the win over Eric. And this is kind of putting their rivalry off to the hold now because after the match was done with, you would see Eric Young in the middle of the ring. And again, the mat is like bloody. There's a lot of blood on the mat. Eric Young has a lot of blood on his face. He just laying there in the ring prone. And you start seeing Deaner, Allen Angels, and Khan, members of Violence by Design, Eric Young's group, walk down to the ring. And once they get in the ring, they just stare at Eric Young. And you just start to wonder to yourself, are they going to attack Eric? Are they going to help him up? What is going down? And you just start seeing... Deaner looking at Eric, and then he looks at Khan, and Khan looks at Deaner. and then Deaner looks at Alan, Alan looks at Deaner. and then they all put their eyes back again on Eric, so there is that moment that you see that they are contemplating, are they going to attack Eric Young or not, and then you see Eric Young move his head over to them, and he just stares at them, again, they don't have their arms out to help Eric Young get up, they're just staring at him, and Eric is just laying there prone, and he's just staring at his followers. Of violence by design, and that's where Impact basically cuts off. So we don't know: are they going to turn on Eric? Or are they going to help Eric? What the deal is? In my personal opinion, I think they're going to turn on Eric sometime soon, and I think Eric sees that coming. So I think Eric's going to try to do whatever he can to try to manipulate his members into staying with him. But only time will tell as Impact uh, goes on in the following weeks. But again, that is your Impact Wrestling wrestling highlights of the week. Now we're off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre in the middle of the ring. Sheamus will tell Drew that they have had years of battling one another and they've gotten close to one another to the point that Sheamus even had Drew as his best man at his wedding three weeks ago. Sheamus would ask Drew, will he be a part of the Brawling Brutes team for war games? Drew would accept the offer and Drew would make the count. And he would say, there's four of us. And five of the bloodline, so who's gonna be our fifth member? And before Seamus could even say that he has found the fifth member, Sammy Zayn would come out. Sammy would say that he speaks for the bloodline, and he says that they don't care who the brawling brutes fifth guy is. Sammy would say that he guarantees that the bloodline is going to win at war games. Seamus would tell Sammy that he is going to change his tune once he finds out who his fifth member is, because he isn't going to expect it. So we will have to find out later in the night who the fifth member of the Brawling Bruce team would be. Now we go into our first round matchup in the world cup tournament between Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall by hitting a shooting star press on a standing Mustafa Ali for the win. Now Mustafa will come into this match with his ribs being taped up because again, he did go against Bobby Lashley on Monday night raw. So this is kind of the after effects after getting mauled by Bobby. Uh, Ricochet and Mustafa Ali put on a good matchup. I ain't going to front. I thought it was going to last probably about a good six, seven minutes. It actually lasted a little bit longer than that. And again, these two put on a good match, especially with Mustafa being injured with his ribs being taped up. And at point, you had Ricochet literally telling the referee to check on Mustafa and have Mustafa try to quit because Ricochet didn't want to do too much damage to his front. But Mustafa Ali did not want to quit. He continued to go on, so... Ricochet just continued to do damage, and Ricochet is now the winner. Uh this will lead into next week where Ricochet will be facing Braun Strowman in the semifinals of the World Cup tournament. Now, after this, we will have Madcap Moss going against Carrion Cross with Scarlet in his corner. Madcap will lose to Carrion by submission when Cross will lock in the cross jacket on Moss, and Moss will tap out after the match. Cross would hold on to the hold until the other referees would come down to the ring and tell him to let go of it, which Cross does let go and leave the ring. Now Emma would run down to the ring to check on Moss because before the match would begin, while Moss is getting himself pumped up, she would try to tell Moss that during his matchup he should use his speed to outwit carrying Cross. And he would try, but his anger got the better of him. So now we're going to see Emma be a part of Madcap here, and we're probably going to get Madcap and Emma going against Karen Cross and Scarlet somewhere down the line. That's where I think we're building up here. After this, we have Bray Wyatt coming down to the ring, and he's out here to make amends. Bray will talk about growing up with beliefs of being tough and making people fear you, because when you have people fear you, they will respect you. Bray will mention that he has been thinking about his past and what has led him to this point and realized that he needs to make amends to L.A. Knight for what he did to him last week. Knight will come out and talk about, for the last seven days, he has thought about the cheap shot that Bray gave him, and each time he thinks about it, he gets upset more than the last. Knight will say that hearing Bray say that he wants to make amends has Knight wondering about Bray's apology. Knight would say that looking into Bray's eyes, he sees that Bray respects him because Knight doesn't fear Bray. Knight would then get in the ring and say that with that being the case, he would get close and then slap Bray across the face and then quickly leave out of the ring and get on the ring apron. Knight would say that we're even now. So you see Bray start getting agitated and he just walks a little bit and he just gets on the mic and tell Knight that He's fighting his urges to do something to him right now. And he lets Knight know that this decision that he's about to make will change his life. And Bray says that, okay, we're even now. And he extends his hand out to Knight. Knight would again then slap Bray in the face and then jump off the apron and start walking up the ramp. And he says that's a two-for-one special and nobody does that to Knight because this is Knight's house now. So again, now you have Bray pissed off now you have unlocked something in Bray because Bray would just take a knee and just look at Knight as he's walking up the ramp and Bray does not like lose any con like he just stays on Knight his eyes are locked centerfold on it and the camera just stays right on Bray's eyes just locked in on Knight so you would see Knight basically get not jumped but he would get beat up later in the night because as Knight was trying to leave the arena as he opens up the door he would see a Bray Wyatt mask figure standing outside of the arena waiting for night and then later on you will see like night laid out on the floor with a lot of like objects and materials on top of him, and you see backstage officials and other people trying to take the crap off of night as night just laid out. So this thing between Bray Wyatt and LA Knight, it is not ending. It seems that we're just beginning. And also, I do want people to notice this as well is that I feel that this is a rock and mankind situation here, but a more ramped up version on the mankind uh side and a more lessened version on the rock. Because the rock and mankind back and forth in uh like late 90s, like 98, 99. Uh, Rock would always like downtrot the mankind, he would always be able to get the come up with on the mankind. And with this, Bray Wyatt is taking on the mankind mantle because mankind was a persona of Mick Foley. Mick Foley had three personas do love mankind, and Kathy's Jack. And then you had the real man, Mick Foley himself. Bray Wyatt, he has that kind of thing right now because right now, in this current uh caricature that we have of Bray Wyatt you're starting to see the real Bray Wyatt here. He's not coming out here in goofy clothing. He's not coming out here in Hawaiian shirts. He's not coming out here in red sweaters. He's coming out here in regular civilian style gear, which you would think Bray will be wearing on, as you see him just walking up the streets. And you got to remember, he still has the Mr. Rogers uh, Bray Wyatt style of gear that he wants to wear whenever he turns into that guy. He still has the Eater of Worlds Bray Wyatt, and he can still turn up on The Fiend, version of Bray Wyatt so this is a more turned up version to me of what Mankind is and I think that's what Bray is going with with this situation here but again times could change I don't know I'm just looking at this I see Bray in LA Knight as a rock Mankind situation that's where I made the comparison between these uh situations here but anyway that just me being a nerd uh after this We will have Shayna Baszler with Ronda Rousey in her corner going against Shotzi, Blackheart. Uh, Shotzi would win the match by pinfall when Raquel Rodriguez would come down to the ring to even the odds after Ronda would distract Shotzi multiple times in the match. Uh, Shayna would try to break Shotzi's arm by stomping on it, but Shotzi will move her arm out of the way and then roll up Shayna Baszler for the win. Now, after this, you will have the six-man tag matchup of Imperium going against The New Day and Braun Strowman. Xavier Woods would get the win for a scene by pinfall when the New Day would hit up, up, down, down on Marcel Bartel for the win. And you would see at one point, Gunther could have broke up the pin, but Braun got in the ring and Gunther just straight up just ran out of the ring because we're making it seem that Gunther is afraid of Braun because Braun could take Gunther's chops. And he's a slightly bigger version of Gunther, like he's taller than him and he has like muscled up. So, again, we're trying to make this thing that Gunther is kind of a little bit afraid of Braun here. And we're trying to make people want to see Braun versus Gunther for the Intercontinental title because the winner of the World Cup tournament will be the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. And Braun is in the World Cup tournament and he's in the semifinals. So that's what we're trying to do with this right now. Speaking of the World Cup, we will get to the uh, not finals, but the main event of SmackDown, which is the last first-round matchup for the World Cup tournament. It is Butch with the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre in his corner, going against Sami Zayn, who has the Bloodline in his corner, that is the Usos, and Solo Sokoa. Butch would win the match by pinfall thanks to the Bloodline and the Brawling Brutes with Drew fighting outside of the ring. As Sami was about to hit the Haluva Kick, On Butch, Jay would get in the ring to try to get away from Sheamus. Sheamus would then drag Jay out of the ring, and this would allow Butch to hit the bitter end on Sami Zayn for the win. So Butch will be facing Santos Escobar next week in the semifinals of the World Cup tournament. Now, after the match, this is where Chaos reigns supreme, and everybody will continue to be fighting outside of the ring. Both groups will continue to be fighting until Roman Reigns comes out. Roman Reigns comes out. He beats up on the brawling brutes before he gets in the ring with Drew McIntyre. Then you see both men battle in the ring, but Roman would get the better of it by hitting Drew with a spear. Then you see Sheamus get in the ring, and now you have him brawling with Roman. Roman would hit Sheamus with a Superman punch, knocking Sheamus down, and as Roman was set up to hit the spear on Sheamus, Kevin Owens' music would hit, and Kevin Owens would walk to the ring. Now, Kevin Owens would get in the ring and he would start brawling with Roman. And at one point, he would get the better of Roman by stomping him out in the corner of the ring. And once he turns around, you will see Sammy looking at Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens looking at Sammy. And there's just a moment of those two just walking in circles around each other. And they're just staring at one another. The fans are anticipating who's going to hit who first. But you'll see Ridge Holland get in the ring, take Sammy Zane out of the ring. Uh, Roman would try to attack Kevin Owens with a spear, but Kevin Owens would hit Roman with a stunner, and then Roman would roll out of the ring. Sami Zayn would see Kevin Owens hit Roman with a stunner, and he looks astonished by that, and he just has to look at Kevin Owens as he's looking at Roman Reigns, and that's where SmackDown ends, with Kevin Owens now being the fifth member of Team Brawling Brutes, and we have our War Games match official. Team Bloodline of Roman Reigns, The Usos, Solo Sokoa, and Sami Zayn going against Team Brawling Brutes. It is Ridge, Butch, Sheamus, Kevin Owens, and Drew McIntyre uh, next Saturday at Survivor Series in War Games. And also, they would announce that next week, it would be Drew McIntyre and Sheamus going against The Usos in a standard tag team matchup. But the winners of the tag team matchup will get the advantage going into War Games. So that's happening next week on SmackDown. So with that, that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now, going into AEW Rampage, this is the last Rampage going into full gear. It will have starting off with the first round matchup in the World Championship Eliminator Tournament between Lance Archer and Ricky Starks. They will start off fighting backstage and then moving it into the crowd and then finally into the ring. Uh, Ricky Starks will get the win by pinfall by hitting a spear on Lance and then quickly rolling him up for the win. So Ricky Starks now advances in the tournament and he will be facing Brian Cage at full gear on the pre-show in the semifinals of the tournament. And I had to correct something because I said something earlier in the show. I said that the finals will be held at full gear. That is wrong because Tony Khan had to correct that. He said that the finals will be happening on Dynamite. So Ethan Page will be waiting for who either wins between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage on Dynamite. And then they will have their finals matchup in the finals of the World Championship Eliminated Tournament. Where the winner will be facing whoever comes out as the AEW World Champion at, after full gear at Winter is Coming. So I know that was a lot to ingest, but quick clip notes version is. Finals next week on Dynamite, Ethan Page going against either Ricky Starks or Brian Cage. There you go. So, after this, we have the FTW Championship matchup between Lee Moriarty, who has Stokely Hathaway in his corner, going against Hook. Hook will win the match by submission when Hook will reverse out of the Border City stretch and turn it into the Red Rum, and Moriarty would pass out, making the referee ring for the bell. This was a match that Hook was supposed to win because obviously they're not trying to have Hook lose yet. But this match actually gave Hook more time in the ring. It gave him more time with a guy that's of his age but has more time in the ring, like years under his belt. So Hook was able to at least be more in the ring with Lee Moriarty and it didn't look weird. It actually made it look like Hook was trying to keep up with Lee Moriarty. And I actually like that because I would like to see Hook be more involved in the AEW Dynamite product more, whether it's on Dynamite or Rampage. It just seems that we've lost the momentum of Hook. I understand we're trying to keep him as a as an attraction, like an MJF type deal, but you can't do that with somebody like a Hook character, for, like, per se. The last time we had him on television was him and Action Bronson going against 2.0, I believe. But... Hook needs to be on television just a little bit more. He needs to get more ring experience. He needs to get more camera time. So I hope AEW puts more time into Hook on the product instead of just like having him be drift off in the back doing nothing. Um, After this, we have Athena going against Madison Rain. Athena would win the match by pinfall by hitting a powerbomb transition into a codebreaker for the win. After the match, Athena will continue to attack on Madison until Mercedes Martinez will come down to the ring and make the save, and Mercedes will get in the ring and Athena would bail out of the ring, so it seems that they're trying to hype up Mercedes Martinez going against Athena at Ring of Honor's final battle uh, show that's happening in December because Mercedes Martinez is their Ring of Honor Women's Champion and Mercedes Martinez has been out of action for some months. So this will be a nice little match between both of these ladies. I'm not sure if they even wrestled, like, on television before. I'm not sure if they did it in NXT. But they probably did it on the independents. But it's going to be a nice, like, refresher course for everybody to remember exactly who Mercedes Martinez is. And also, Athena gets to wrestle a vet like Mercedes Martinez on a big open stage to, let again, let people know who Athena is so that... Will be a excellent match when those two actually collide with each other. Now, going into the main event of Rampage, we will have Jun Akiyama and Konosuke Takashita going against Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. Jun Akiyama would win the match for his team by pinfall by hitting an exploder suplex on Ortiz for the win. This was a dream match for Eddie Kingston. He called for Jun Akiyama. I mean, he's been saying that he wanted Akiyama for some time now, and... Tony Khan just basically gave Eddie Kingston this matchup here. And Eddie Kingston, throughout this whole match, he was trying to, like, keep his eyes on Akiyama. Anytime he did a move, he would just keep his eyes on Akiyama. Anytime he hit a strike on uh, Takeshita, he would move his eyes back to Akiyama. He wanted to get in the ring so bad with Akiyama, and it just seems that anytime he could try to, like, attack Akiyama, he would do it. Because, again, Eddie Kingston, he is a pit bull. He's a guy that wants his respect he's a guy that wants to get the respect of people that he respects and he respects Akiyama so much so I'm glad Eddie Kingston was able to get this matchup with Akiyama but in the end that is your Rampage uh, Wrestling Highlights of the week now before I get you guys out of here let me give you my predictions for AEW full gear I'm not going to do too much of the pre-show matches because on the pre-show we got the 10-man tag we got the best friends Going against the Factory. The Best Friends are going to win. That's obvious. Then we got Brian Cage going against Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is going to win against Brian Cage. That's an obvious one because you're not going to have two bad guys going against each other in the finals of a tournament. You're going to have a good guy versus a bad guy. And you're going to have Ricky Starks going against Ethan Page. So Ricky Starks is going against Ethan Page on Dynamite. There you go. Uh, The Triple Threat Match for the AEW TNT Championship. Warlow going against Samoa Joe, going against Powerhouse Hobbs. I think they're going to continue to have the belt on Warlow, and they were going to start breaking it down. You have Warlow going against Samoa Joe, or Warlow going against Powerhouse Hobbs first, and then you switch it over after that. So Warlow is going to win this triple threat match, but I think this is going to be a nice, just big three guys just beating each other up. Now, for the trio championship, we have Death Triangle going against the Elite I think that we should keep the belts on Death Triangle. Giving the belts back to the Elite after they just come back. God, I don't want that to happen. I want them to have a good match, but just giving the belts back to the Elite after they just came back, after Death Triangle's been holding it down, I I don't see that as a right thing to do. Have them have a good match and have the Elite lose in a good wrestling match. That's cool, but giving them the belts Even though they're having a good match with Death Triangle after they just come back from suspension. No. I don't care what anybody says. No. The Elite, they're going to do well. They don't need to have the Elite. They do not need to have the Trios Championships on them. I said that when they first won the belts. I think they never should have won it the first time. I think Dark Order should have held the belts the first time. But again, who am I to say? Who am I to say how this story is going to go? I think Death Triangle should win. And also... I think after that we should get uh House of Black popping up because House of Black has been popping up with vignettes for these past couple weeks. They popped up with one on Rampage and they're basically saying they're coming back, they're being reborn again. So I see them probably popping up after the match and probably having to stare down with Death Triangle. I don't care what nobody says. Have them have a step like stare down with Death Triangle, but then them like beat up on the elite after the fact and have Death Triangle just start walking towards the back. That's the way we can salvage that, and there you go. You can have the Elite go against uh, House of Black to start it off and have the Elite gain momentum, or the House of Black gain momentum so they can challenge for the Trios Championship. That's the way I would write it out. But again, I'm not a person who works for AEW. This is just me throwing things out here. Still cage match. Luchasaurus going against uh, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is gonna win because this is all about him trying to get closer to Christian Cage, and this is all about him trying to eliminate anything that's getting in his way from getting to Christian Cage. So I have him beating Luchasaurus here. Tag team match: Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal going against Sting and Darby Allen. Sting has not lost on a pay per view ever since he got to AEW, so I see that continuously going right now. Sting is going to beat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Oh, yeah, staying in Darby is going to be Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, So staying in Darby as the winner. Britt Baker going against uh, Soraya. This is Soraya's return match. After years being away from the wrestling ring, and this is her first AEW matchup, I think Soraya is going to win. No, I know Soraya is going to win. If Soraya doesn't win, that's going to be completely shocking to me, but it's wrestling. Once a person gets either signed and is their first match or a person returns back from any type of horrific injury and they have their first match, they are going to win. So I have Soraya beating Britt Baker. Jay Cargill versus Nyla Rose for the TBS Championship. Jay Cargill is winning against Nyla Rose and she will get back her actual TBS Championship. There you have it. Fatal four way match for the ROH World Championship. Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Sammy Guevara. I have Chris Jericho winning this because there's still more Ring of Honor champions that uh, Chris Jericho has to go against. And I think it's going to come down to basically Jericho basically getting in the face of Guevara because Guevara wants to win a world title and you start seeing it in his face every time Jericho says that Guevara is going to do the right thing and Guevara just makes the eyes, like subtle eyes towards Jericho like, you expect me just to lay down or do something and just have you win. So I think it's going to come down to Jericho and Guevara at one point, Jericho might hit Guevara with a Judas effect. And cover Guevara, and then they'll make amends on Dynamite somehow, probably the next Dynamite. Tony Storm versus Jamie Hader for the interim AEW Women's World Championship. I have Tony Storm winning over Jamie Hader because it's the interim World Championship, not the Women's World Championship. If it was for the actual Women's World Championship, I probably would have it different and have Jamie win. But we're still on the collision course for Tony Storm to go against uh, Thunder Rosa for the unified. Women's World Championship. So, Tony Storm is going to win this matchup with Jamie. Tag team matchup. The Acclaimed going against Swerve in Our Glory. The Acclaimed are going to retain their championships. They just got it, what, a couple months ago. And they haven't really defended it against any other tag teams. The only tag teams that they defended against was uh, Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Other than that, I don't remember other tag teams that they defended the championships against. The Acclaim need to have nice need a nice run with the belts. They need to go against FTR. They need to go against the gun club. They need to do all that type of stuff before they get, think about even dropping the belts to somebody else. So the Acclaim are winning this, and then we'll get the actual breakdown between Keith Lee and Swerve in this matchup or even after the match. So that's my prediction there. Main event for the AEW World Championship, John Moxley going against MJF. I have MJF winning this one because it's time for MJF to hold the World Championship two, Moxley said it off top, and I don't know if people remember this, after uh, the, uh, the Dynamite after All Out, and MJF was out there prancing and parading in front of the people and all this type of stuff, and, and Moxley come out there and basically got MJF out of there, Moxley said, man, I was supposed to be on uh, vacation right now, I think it's time to give Moxley his vacation, Moxley has held the AEW flag and waited for so long that he had that vacation signed up, give that man his vacation, give the belt off to MGF, let MGF run with that championship, and actually give the young prospect his time and the light to let him carry the flag of AEW. That's what needs to happen with AEW. And also, I already said it before, I think Regal is going to swerve and, uh, the whole entire crowd. I think that MGF is going to grab the brass knuckles from either Regal, or he's going to have his own makeshift brass knuckles and pop Moxley in the face to win the AEW World Championship. He is going to keep his promise. He isn't going to use a dynamite diamond ring, but he's going to use some type of other weaponry. And I think he's going to use brass knuckles either handed from Regal, or he's going to have his own makeshift brass knuckles. So there you go. MGF. Your AEW World Champion. If that doesn't happen, I don't know what AEW is doing. I don't know what they are thinking. Not putting the belt on MJF right now because it is his time. And he's in great, and I mean spectacular, like, shape. When you see MJF, look at MJF from 2019 to 2022. He is bulked up, and he's got himself cut up, and he's literally looking like the future of the wrestling business, a guy that actually could be your top guy and it's time for AEW to have MJF as your top guy as your world champion do it now so MJF your AEW world champion that is my prediction now with all that being said this has been wrestling highlights of the week I will be giving you guys my review of full gear tomorrow expect that episode also expect my Sunday episode as usual so I want you guys to have a great Saturday I want you guys to be well, be merry. please don't be dickheads. Please be uh, courteous to everyone out there that's on the road, that's trying to just get to their families, just like you're trying to get to your families to spend the holidays with them. And just don't be a dick, okay? With that being said, I love you all. Please be safe, please be careful, please have a great thanksgiving you'll hear from me again either tomorrow on my sunday's episode or again tomorrow on full gear review episode if you happen to listen to that but if you don't you just listen specifically to the saturday wrestling highlights of the week you'll hear from me again next saturday on wrestling highlights of the week and with that i do love you all i thank you kanye could you please take these people home i'm tired you Uh
1: tired jesus wept.